But as I said, this morning, we have the great privilege, privilege of honoring three, these three students uh, of the class of 2022, which is so crazy to think about that we're celebrating the class of 2022, by the way. I just remember a few years back when I graduated back in 2008 uh, from high school, and I was thinking to myself as a high school graduating senior, I was like, man, in 10 years, my little brother, who's 10 years younger than me, he's going to be graduating. And that was in 2018. And I was thinking of how old I was going to be, and now here we are in 2022. So... But uh, it is a great privilege to be honoring and celebrating uh, these, uh, these three young ladies as they are getting ready to launch out. And, and as we get to celebrate and launch another graduating class of future leaders and young professionals into what we would call adulthood, right? Um, it is a true blessing to see God's faithfulness and his providential care over our graduating seniors and our students. Um, I think we take this for granted every year. Uh, every year as we celebrate a, a graduating class, it's like, oh, here we go, here's another class. But really, it's, it's a true honor and blessing to celebrate these students um, because we're not promised tomorrow. Um, we're not promised another graduating class. And so I hope you guys feel very honored today. And as, a, as we saw in the video, we're gonna be honoring uh, Miss Callie Collier, uh, Jessica Holub and Miss Audrey Thompson. And I would love if, I know I see two of them here today and they didn't know I was gonna do this, but I'm actually gonna have them stand right now. Callie Collier and Jessica Holub, will y'all stand? Thank you. Thank you guys, y'all can be seated. We just wanted to put a face to the name and, and let you guys know how much we truly do love you and appreciate you. And just so you know, I did not intentionally um, miss Audrey. Uh, so Audrey is actually, she was not able to be here this morning because she is currently en route to go play in the state golf tournament. So she's not able to be here for a very good reason. And, uh, and I was actually um, informed that she has attended three of the last four state tournaments in golf. And the one that she was not able to attend was because of COVID. So it's pretty impressive. So we need to be praying for her as their team is traveling and as they uh, compete today in that golf tournament. Um, but now I would love to read to you guys just briefly what's in store for our graduating seniors. I asked them a couple questions this past week or asked their parents and they all got the information back to me uh, about where they're heading and what they're planning on doing. And the, the first lady is Callie Collier, and she's gonna be attending St. Edwards University in Austin, Texas, where she will be playing softball. That's right. And by the way, big shout out to the Columbus Cardinals softball team, right? Let's give them a round of applause. If you guys didn't hear, they were recently just named the region quarterfinal champs, and now they're heading to the next round, which is round four, right? That's the girls, yes. And uh, so we're very, very excited and proud of them for doing that. But she will be majoring in kinesiology where she plans on becoming a teacher and a coach. And uh, hopefully she'll come back and coach here. That'd be awesome. Um, and then asking what she will miss about Columbus. Uh, she says she will miss a small town atmosphere and the amazing people. Cool. Uh, and then Jessica Hola, she'll be attending Blinn Community College where she'll be pursuing a bachelor's in science of nursing, a BSN. And she would like to become a traveling nurse. So if anybody needs any assistance in the future, Jessica would be the one to reach out to. Um, and upon asking what she would miss about Columbus as well, she also said the people, which is a common theme about what they're gonna miss in Columbus. And then lastly, Audrey Thompson. She's gonna be attending Texas A&M University. <laughs> 
where she's going to be majoring in environmental design uh, with the desire to design both the interior and exterior of corporate buildings. So keep that in mind, church. Just saying. Uh, and then also asking upon what she's going to miss about Columbus, uh, she said she's going to miss the sense of community that small town brings and also having friends and family so close. So there's something about Columbus that is very unique and, and uh, with the small town feel that people love. And so y'all keep it up because it's a loving place to be. Cool? But Callie, Jessica, and Audrey, this is, uh, I, I would, I could not be more proud of what you guys are accomplishing and where you guys are going. Um, I don't mean that insincerely. I mean that very genuinely. I'm very proud of you guys. Um, and so is your church family. And please know that even though you all are about to embark on different journeys, your home church will always be praying for you. We will always be here for you. Um, and if you need anything, just reach out. Cool? Um, I lost where I was. Is, but as it is though, and I wanted to know that uh, we're going to be praying for you and that um, I, I challenge you never to forget the things that you're going to miss about Columbus. That you take those things with you so that way when you go into your new community, you will desire to find those same things. But this is the most important thing I want to challenge you guys with. That sure, the small town feel is great, the people are good. But my desire for you guys, my prayer and our church's prayer for you guys is that you will ultimately try to find those things first in your local church body. Wherever you're planted, please find a church that is, that is healthy and that is gospel focused and God fearing. Because that is gonna be the foundation for your new community moving forward. So please, please search out a church family that, is, that will truly love you well. But again, know that we will also be here for you no matter what. But for the remainder of our time, though, I would love to, to make one final appeal to you, if that's okay. Uh, as you turn your eyes from this season to the next, I would love to make uh, an appeal to you to pursue and to remain in Christ-likeness. Um, in today's world, that has become harder and harder to do. And so I pray that as, I, as we read through this passage this morning, as, you, uh, and as we make this appeal to you, that you will uh, feel challenged and that you'll feel encouraged to do so, to remain in Christ's likeness. But this is also something that I pray for all of us. This is not just for Callie and Jessica and Audrey, but rather this is for all of us in this church today, this appeal that we're going to be looking at. Because it doesn't matter if, uh, if you've already experienced the graduation season, whether it's high school or college, or for some of you in the room, you're looking forward to those days. But, um, which by the way, I also wanna make a quick shout out to two other individuals, uh, Mary Claire Garmo and Abby Morrison. Are y'all in the house? Abby's here. Guys, they just graduated from college this past week. So we're not only honoring, They didn't know I was going to do that, so you're welcome. Um, but we're not only honoring our graduating high school seniors, but our college seniors as well. But all I have to say, though, is even though many of us have already experienced this graduation season, the reality is, is that what we're going to be looking at with this appeal is that it applies to our everyday life throughout the remainder of our lives. And so will you guys turn with me to Romans chapter 12? Romans chapter 12. That's where we're going to be spending our time this morning. I promise I will make this quick. We're only looking at three verses today. That's right. You guys are all blown away. The fact that I'm only looking at three verses is fine. 
But we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And then we're going to jump down to verse 12. So if you guys wouldn't mind standing with me if you are able. Let's read these verses together. So verse 1 of chapter 12. This is Paul speaking. He say, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And jump down to verse 12, it says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. You guys, you guys can go ahead and take a seat for me. Thank you guys. And I would love to pray for us as we continue. So we pray with me. Lord God, we just surrender this morning to you. And Lord, also we surrender our graduating seniors to you. Um, whether it's Callie or Audrey or Jessica or even Abby and Mary Claire, these graduating seniors, Lord, we just lift this next wave of leaders and, and young professionals to you. We ask, Lord, that you will just truly penetrate their hearts and that you will give conviction to them on what it means to pursue Christ's likeness in this life. Because um, now more than ever, that Christ-likeness and what you desire of us is being challenged and it's being thwarted. And God, I pray that through this message this morning, through these verses from Paul, this appeal, God, that um, they will uh, find the conviction and the desire to pursue you wholeheartedly, no matter what comes in this life. And I pray the same over our church family, no matter what season we're in. But God, just, again, lift this morning to you, and I pray that you'll lead it and guide it. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, you guys know what I love to do, right? So, we're looking at the letter of, of, of Romans, right? And I love context. So, just briefly, humor me, and I'm going to fly through this background, because this is going to set us up for what we're going to be looking at today. But... The author of this letter is a guy named Paul. We all know Paul, right? Who was once Saul, who was once a persecutor of Christians, who had a, a very incredible encounter with Jesus himself on the road to Damascus, where he was transformed from, Paul, from Saul, the persecutor, to Paul, the greatest evangelist the New Testament ever saw. Okay, so this is the letter, uh, or this is the author of this letter. And the audience in which he's writing to are obviously the churches of Rome, which was a very young uh, church. Um, but unfortunately, this, or I say unfortunately, this was not a church though. In common themes of Paul's letter, he's writing to churches which he planted. But Rome, the churches in Rome, he actually did not plant. And, Rome, and Paul actually had never actually visited these churches in Rome. Um, he actually had a great desire to go and to be with these and to be in fellowship with these young Christians in Rome, but he actually never had the opportunity to. And the one time that he finally actually did make it to Rome, Guess how, he, guess how he appeared? In chains. He was a prisoner, and he was being brought in for false insurrection. They, were, they believed that he was uh, causing these revolts in Jerusalem, and so they bring him to Rome as a prisoner. So this is the one time he gets to finally appear in Rome as a prisoner. But, so he, he missed the opportunity of being in fellowship with them. But Paul, when he's writing this letter, though, he's hearing about this young church, and he's writing to them to encourage them. And he, this is one of the most richest 
uh, um, letters in the New Testament of, of doctrine and theology and personal application of what it means for us to be believers in the church. And so uh, just real quick, this is what Paul, this letter encompasses. In chapters one through three, he talks about the wrath of God. In chapters three through five, he, the second half of chapter three through five, he talks about the grace of God. Chapters six through eight, he talks about the faithfulness of God. 9 through 11, the majesty of God. And then what we're going to be looking at today is included in chapters 12 through 15, where he talks about the righteousness of God. And then he ultimately wraps up with the community of God. So this is just a quick overview of what this letter is about to the church in Rome. And I want to make an, a, a side appeal to you guys that if, if you've never studied this letter, man, you need to study it. You need to dig deep. You need to tear it apart because this right here is 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 so crucial for us as believers in Christ and what it means for us to walk in Christ likeness and to walk in the identity of Jesus and especially in today's culture we think that the things that we experience today in our society are new let me tell you something these things are not new they've just been kind of uh, the, their, their facial appearance has been kind of distorted from what they experienced back in the New Testament But this letter beautifully explains the essence of the Christian faith and how we must apply it to our lives. But picking back up where we read this morning in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12, I would like to, to, to give you four quick takeaways of what we see in these two verses in Paul challenging this young church and how it can be applied to our graduating seniors, Jessica and Callie, but also to all of us as believers in Christ. But the first thing I want to uh, to bring out to us though is the heart behind Paul's appeal. So the, right here in the chapter, we, we see here, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. I appeal to you, which for many of us, we read that, we're like, okay, cool. He's appealing something. You just move on. You don't really stop and think about what he's actually trying to appeal to us, right? So what Paul is appealing to us for uh, here is, is for us to consecrate ourselves, to, to consecrate ourselves. He has explained to us that through the words of the Holy Spirit, by the way, these are not Paul's words, that as believers in Jesus, we must separate ourselves from secular worldview and to adopt Christ-like purpose and way of life. So when we read this word, I appeal to you, therefore, this is not just saying, Hey man, I just want you to hear me. This is Paul saying, no, 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 no. I want you to, I want you to instinct, I want you to definitely hear what I'm saying. This is not something you want to miss. And it's referencing back to the first 11 chapters of this book. And in which we just talked about, right? The wrath of God, the grace of God, the faithfulness of God, the majesty of God. He is appealing to us that we put off the old self and bring on the new self so we can understand what the, what God desires for us in this life and how we can walk in his Christ likeness. He is encouraging us or he's calling us to a higher way of living in this life. And just to help you guys understand this a little bit more, that word here, appeal in the Greek, which I say that and the students in the room are like, oh no, here we go again. Cause we're actually doing a word study across the street. So they've already been hearing a lot of Greek lately. But this word in Greek is parakaleo. Which, which means to call or to summon, to exhort. In other words, he's not just suggesting these words to us, but rather he is instructing them to us. 
He is calling us to a higher way of living. He's giving us counsel and guidance to, to uh, walk in Christ's likeness. But here's the beautiful thing about this word um, that I want us to see here before we move on is that it shares similarity to another Greek word that is used in the, the Gospel of John. And we see it in John 14, 6. And that word is parakletos, which is where we get the word paraclete, the paraclete. And if you guys didn't know, but the paraclete is also a descriptive name given to the Holy Spirit. Give it to the Holy Spirit. We see that in, like I said, John 14, 16, where it says, and I will ask the Father, this is Jesus talking, he says, and I will give you another helper, helper, to be with you forever. So paraclete means one who pleads another's cause before a judge, or he is an intercessor or a helper. And so in the same way uh, of manner of the paraclete, Paul is making an appeal to us as a guide or as a counselor, one that is similar to the true helper and guide, the Holy Spirit. So we must not overlook this or ignore it, but rather we must hear his appeal. But what Paul appeals to here in these two verses, in verses one and two, he, he breaks it down to two things. One, he appeals to the physical, which is the next thing I want us to take away from this, is the physical appeal, right? And so what we see there in the second half of verse one, it says, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so what we see here is that he says, I want you, therefore, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, for many of us, we're kind of like, okay, so now we're kind of going back to this Old Testament feel. We're talking about sacrifices. Well, since we're already talking about Old Testament sacrifices, that's true. It's, it's, it's drawing, Paul's drawing from the Old Testament law regarding offering atonement to God, whether it's a sin offering, a burnt offering, a fragrant offering, whatever is in the law, right? But in this case, it's not talking about, see the thing with the Old Testament uh, uh, sacrifices is that something had to die. Something had to die. So they used different animals to, to represent different offerings, right? And so they had to kill something, something had to die in order for their sin or for something to be atoned. But what's different about this one is, is that Paul's saying, hey, no, 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 I don't want you to be a dead offering. I don't want you to be a dead sacrifice. I want you to be a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. And the only way that we can be a living sacrifice is through the finished atoning work of Jesus. You see, we no longer have to to offer up a, something that is dead or we no longer have to kill anything because of the finished work of Christ. He is our atoning sacrifice for all ages to come. And so as a result of that, we no longer have to worry about offering up the sacrifice, but rather we have to worry about being a living sacrifice. Because for any of us who are in Christ, we should have the desire in our heart to put on Christ and to walk in his likeness and then to be a living sacrifice, the fragrant offering of Christ to those around us. That should be our desire as believers in Jesus. We shouldn't be looking to the physical appeal of other things around us and what this world may offer us, whether it's how we dress, 
whether it's I have a facial hair or not, or whether it's, uh, you know, you have the right kind of shoes, the right kind of car, the right kind of house, whatever is physically appealing, those things are, are rubbish compared to knowing the surpassing greatness of Christ Jesus our Lord. So again, Jessica and Callie, I'm not saying this just to you guys. I'm saying this to all of us who are in Jesus. That we should be desiring to be the living sacrifice to those around us. And the hope that we can find in that is that it's living, right? We are no longer counted to our sins, but rather they've been atoned for already. But we are to do this by consecrating ourselves is what Paul's appealing to us. And the only way that we can do this, again, is by the mercies of God. And we see that there in the, uh, the, the second part of the verse. is by the mercies of God. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That, that word for mercies in the Greek, here we go. Oiktirmas, which means to have compassion or pity or mercy. Right? So praise God that he has compassion and pity and mercy on us. So that through his great mercies, we can have, we can be atoned for and we can be living sacrifices for him. Which that, that word mercy, by the way, is the demonstrating of kindness or goodwill towards the miserable or to those who are in pain, those who are in suffering, aka those who are in sin. Which is all of us. So praise God for his great mercies. Amen. But it's not just having kindness or goodwill towards the miserable, but rather it's joined with the desire to help them. See, that's where we miss out on mercy, by the way. Um, sorry, students, you're gonna hear this again. We talked about this on Wednesday. But we, with, with mercy, we have a tendency of showing kindness and compassion towards those who are miserable, but we oftentimes fail in the manner of wanting to actually help them out of their misery. And we see this demonstrated by God, by him sending his one and only son, Jesus. He looked down and said, man, you guys are miserable people because of your sin. Let me help you. I want to send my son Jesus to die for you. And by his great mercies, we can now be living sacrifices. And it's extremely important for us to remember these mercies every single day we wake up because it is only by God's mercies that we are still living and can be living sacrifices for him, which ultimately results and spiritual worship. Spiritual worship. Now, I'm not talking about what we were just doing before this, right? The, the idea of standing, singing songs, uh, lifting your hands. Like, yes, that's a form of worship. But what he's talking about here of spiritual worship, it's your daily life, the daily in and out of your life. Everything in which you do, you need to do for the praise and glory of Christ Jesus, our Lord, because it's only by him and through him and for him that we are able to do these things. Y'all feeling me? So may we hear Paul's appeal to the physical and present our bodies as living sacrifices to Him. May we, may we not be uh, uh, deceived into following what the world is throwing at us and what they are offering us, but rather may we remain faithful to what is true, what is, what is holy and acceptable to God. Amen? But then Paul goes on to verse 2. And he, 
he kind of shifts it, he shifts it on us and he says this do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so the first thing that he says here in this second appeal which by the way this is an appeal from paul to the mental to the mind so he not only addresses the physical things of how we are to live but now he's addressing the mind which by the way the mind is a very dangerous place um, I don't know if y'all knew that, um, but it is. But he says, do not be conformed to this world. So he's not talking about just physically, but he's talking about mentally. He's saying, you need to be prepared to, to stand your ground against the schemes of Satan and what he's going to do to you mentally. This word uh, conformed in the Greek, schizomatio. I, I think I said that right. Schizomatizo. Yes, anyway. It's Greek, guys. It's all Greek to me, okay? Uh, which means to conform oneself, one's mind or character to another person's pattern. So it's the idea of you changing yourself, conforming yourself based off of another person's pattern. You know how silly that is? But ultimately, you know how disrespectful that is towards God? When one conforms to another person's pattern or way of living, they're ultimately pushing aside their identity in Christ. And they're making who they are, or and they're masking, sorry, and they're masking who they are in light of who God has created them to be. So Paul's saying, do not be conformed by the things of this world, but remain who you were created to be in Christ. Because we are all uniquely and wonderfully made. We all have purpose in this life. What Paul will later talk about is this idea of we are all one body of many members. The eye cannot say to the hand that he does not need it. Right? Nor can the hand say to the foot that he does not need it. We need these different parts of the body. Amen? Praise the Lord, you're not all like me. That would be a really crazy world. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Chain. Thank you. <laughs> but rather, he's saying, remain faithful to who God has created you to be. Do not be conformed in your mind to the things of this world. But he says, be, but rather, do not be conformed, but rather be transformed. Be transformed. Again, the Greek for this word transformed is metamorpho, metamorpho, which sounds like what? Metamorphosis, right? It means to take another form or to transform or transfigure. So don't be conformed. Don't change yourself to another person's, another person's pattern or way of living, but rather be transformed. And this is the same word, by the way, that we see in Matthew 17, 2, and also in Mark 9, 2, when Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to the mountain. He transfigures before them. He metamorpho. He transfigured. He transformed before their eyes. He was once Jesus in the flesh, and then he became holy, righteous Jesus before their eyes. That's the idea that Paul is trying to get across to us, that we don't need to be conformed, but we need to be transformed. Don't conform to the ways of the world, but be transformed into the image of Christ. 
and His likeness. We must allow the work of Christ to transform and renew our minds, creating a desire within us to want to grow in understanding and wisdom so that we can ultimately discern what he's talking about there at the end of this verse, uh, so we can ultimately discern God's will for our lives and that we don't discern it for ourselves. So he's saying, be renewed in your mind be transformed so that we can discern the will of God. And that word discern, here we go, for the Greek, right? Dokimatso simply means to test or examine or to prove. So we can test the will of God, examine or, or prove the will of God. We can only do this if we allow Christ to transform our minds. Don't be prideful. Don't think you know what's best, because unfortunately we don't. We need to allow Christ to transform our lives and allow him to lead us into his likeness so that we can be the light to the world. So Callie, Jessica, and Audrey, even though she's not here, and anyone and everyone who needs to hear this appeal this morning from Paul, may we heed it. And when we wake up asking ourselves these questions every single day, these two questions, y'all ready? Am I ready to live my life as a living sacrifice for God? Am I ready, am I willing to live a, live, live a life that is a living sacrifice to God, which is holy and acceptable to God as spiritual worship? You wanna know how to please God? Live a, uh, live a life that is a living sacrifice for Him. Die to yourself daily. Pick up your cross and follow after Him. The second question is this. Is, am I ready to fight the good fight of faith and not conform to this world, but rather live by the transforming work of Christ in my life? So not only am I ready to be a living sacrifice, but am I ready to uh, fight the good fight of faith and, and not be conformed to this world, but rather rely on the transform, transforming and finished work of Christ. These are questions we need to ask ourselves every single day when we wake up. Because let me tell you something, Satan, the ultimate deceiver of this world, he is not just sitting back in a lazy boy saying, oh, all right, well, maybe today I'll go out and deceive people. No, he's already out. When you wake up, he is there. He is ready to pounce on you. He is ready to, dis to, to distort your way of thinking. He doesn't ever sleep. He is there, and he is ready to take you down like a lion seeking to devour its prey. And if we don't wake up and we don't, ask ourselves these questions and prepare ourselves and put on what Paul talks about later in the book of Ephesians, the full armor of God, we will fall and fail into the schemes of, this, of Satan. And let me tell you something, when you walk in sin, it's a very dark and lonely place to be. It's very confusing and you begin to question a lot, especially if you are a believer in Jesus. So if you're walking in unrepentant sin today, confess it. Bring it back to the throne of grace so that, he, so that Jesus and through the Holy Spirit can take that sin away from you and you can walk uh, in clarity. But may we allow 
Christ to lead us and guide us in our thoughts and our actions every single day. And now I want to wrap up with the last, uh, last verse here, going to verse 12. And I want to give us some keys to success for living in Christ's likeness. Y'all ready for this? It's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. In order for us to live successfully in Christ's likeness, we need to do these three things. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and constant in prayer. Now I get it. Y'all are like, I can, I can see rejoicing in hope, but man, Josh, being patient in tribulation, do you know what I'm going through? I don't know exactly what y'all may be going through, what you may be going through right now, but let's be honest, we all face trials and tribulation. None of us are alone in this. And Christ is ready to meet us and to, to guide us through it. He is ready to give us the, the, the tools that we need to overcome them. And so Callie and Jessica and Audrey and everybody else, here's the thing. When y'all face these trials, when you face these different seasons of uncertainty, do not conform to the ways of the world. Do not pursue the physical things of this world that are fleeting, but rather may you be rooted in hope and be rooted in patience, be rooted in prayer. And the, what I would like to kind of allude to these things is rejoicing in hope. Y'all remember the story of Stephen in the book of Acts? In the face of, of his accusers, he is uh, fixing to be stoned to death. He is looking up into heaven. And he sees Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. And it says that his face was transformed to that of an angel. He was rejoicing in hope rather than focusing on his current surrounding circumstances. May we be like Stephen. And when it comes to being patient in tribulation, let's think about the life of Joseph back in the Old Testament. When everything seemed, at first, seemed to be going right, and then out of nowhere, he gets sold into slavery. He gets purchased by a guy named Potiphar, and his wife started to hit on him. He ends up getting accused of something he didn't do, gets put in prison for a long time. Things seem to be going not so well for Joseph. But he was patient, and he remained faithful during that tribulation. What happened? God took him from the lowest place to the jail cell, and he raised him up to the second highest position of all of Egypt. We need to be patient in tribulation. And then lastly, be a constant in prayer. And this... This dude that I want to allude to is Daniel. Daniel. In the midst of captivity in the Babylonians, he, is, uh, he gets brought in and the, it talks about how he remains faithful in prayer. After the king made his edict of no one shall pray to any other gods but me, what did Daniel do? He went and fell on his knees to the one true king and one true God of all the universe. And then, of course, he did face trial tribulation himself as a result of that, but God remained faithful and rescued him out of the den of lions because of his constant faithfulness in prayer. We also see this example in Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the face of certain death, Jesus remains constant in prayer. Because he would rather remain in the will of the Father, which is holy and acceptable, than to follow his own ways and to evade 
the coming certain death. So may we walk in these examples. May we see these examples and apply them to our lives. May we, be, may we rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer as we hear Paul's appeal from the first two verses. Now I just want to close by reading these verses to you. And I'll ask the musicians to come up. We'll have a time of invitation. But he says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Church, may we hear this appeal. And may we, every single day, wake up desiring to be living sacrifices for God, which is our spiritual worship. And may we not be conformed to the things of this world, but rather be transformed into the likeness of Christ. So that we can fulfill what Jesus talks about in Matthew 5, of being the salt of the earth and the light into the world. That's who we're called to be. So will you pray with me? God, we just thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for the constant reminders and these appeals that we see by the New Testament authors of what it means for us to remain in Christ's likeness. Um, Lord, bearing the name of Jesus is a weighty thing. We, we like to, to, have, we like to uh, over um, emphasize that being a Christian is full of joy, full of happiness, and full of comfort. But Lord, those things are true. But Lord, when it comes to bearing the name of Jesus, it's also weighty and it could bring trial and, and, and tribulation and potential persecution. Because what your word tells us is that the gospel is folly to those who do not believe it. And people are offended by it. And so Lord, I pray that as we go through this life and that we will heed these appeals in scripture of what it means for us to be ready in and out of season to do, give a defense for our faith, as Peter talks about, and ultimately what Paul talks about here of being living sacrifices that are holy and acceptable to you as our spiritual worship, and then not to be conformed, but to be transformed in this life. But God, we again just thank you for your word, and I pray, Lord, as we go into this time of invitation, that there's anybody here who needs to get things right with you. If there's any unrepentant sin or any uh, anything that's going on in their life that they just need to lift to you, Lord, that they will come down to the altar and lift it and pray that you'll take it from them. But Lord, if there's anyone here, though, that needs to get the relationship right with you, I pray that this morning that they will do that. Uh, but Lord, I, and I just want to conclude with this, I want to lift up our graduating seniors one more time. And just ask that you have your hand of care, providential care over them as they begin and embark on this new season of life. That you will protect them, that you will guard their minds, and that they will remain faithful to you and walk in Christ's likeness. But God, we are so thankful for the way you love us, the way you lead us and guide us in this life. In Jesus' name we pray. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.